0: Welcome to the Hop and Brew School Podcast. I'm Justin Crosley. And I'm Nick Ziegler. And we are your hosts today. Also joining us once again, we've got Pat Jensen, the technical manager at Yakima Chief Hops. Welcome, Pat. Hello. Hello. And Tommy Yankone, yeah. technical brewer at Yakima Chief Hops. Nice. How's it going, everyone? Uh, it's good to have you guys back in the studio. And uh, today, another science episode for you geeks out there, or those of you like me who need to learn more about how hops work. Uh, in our last episode, we gave you a, a, a fairly brief overview of the uh, chemical makeup of hops. You can go back to that one. It's our Hop Chemistry 101. Uh, today, we're actually going to dive into hop oils.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, the yeah. component that everyone loves.
0: Exactly. This is what the brewers want to hear about anyway, right? <laughs> um, uh,
1: I don't know. There's some traditionalists that really like bittering compounds, and it's very important.
0: You're right. All of it is. Uh, but if you're looking to fast track, we start with the oils, I feel like.
1: Well, kind of, but I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're running sort of a craft brewery versus a uh, traditional massive lager brewery, yeah, um, oils are just compo- confusing cool. and, and, and confounding. <laughs> Got it. Yes. I'm sure okay, sorry. I,
0: I might find them that way after this episode. Uh, this show, as always, is meant to connect the world's finest brewers and home brewers with more knowledge about hops uh, so that we can all drink better beer. And with today's episode on hop oils, I'm confident we're going to help achieve that. Um in the meantime uh, as you're as you're listening, if you 're listening and if you come up with questions that you want to ask, uh, you can always send them to Hop and brew School at the All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, the Google Play Store, and over at the and if you want to dive more into just hops themselves, go to Yakimachief and check it out
1: and we will. Try to forward as many of those emails to Corporate Alex as possible. That's so right. So we can
0: reply with the varietal numbers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's what we need. I miss him already. We've got to get him back in here. Uh, all right. So let's dive into Hop Oils today. And... Um, you know, I'm confident that there are, there are more oils that we could even cover in an episode, but there must be some major groups, right?
1: Yes. So, um, really, we're going to be talking about, um, I mean, this this first dive into hop oils is going to be about the major components, which I've alluded to before. So, when we've got the, uh, well, I mean, Pat, actually, this is, this is more your purview. So, let's, let's, let's talk about it from your perspective here.
2: My perspective? Oh, well, I always talk about oils with total oil to start off with. So. Right. So, the. Total oil of a hop is basically easily defined. You can put it in a nice distilled pot and boil it and collect your oil fractions.
1: Because that's why you have stills at home, guys, to measure the oil (laughs) fraction in the uh, 30-kilogram Charge that your keg holds. Of course, we uh, do. i <laughs> um, the only one, I guess. Oh uh, yeah,
0: right. Well, hey. <laughs> that's why we have a year
1: pass.
0: We only need one.
1: <laughs> you've, you've got a rotovap in, in the lab, so that's yeah. that's even better. You can distill really nice <laughs> gin. I mean, um, botanical distillates. Um, the uh, well, the way I look at it from a brewing perspective is that total oil refers to overall pungency. So, like, the intensity of what's in the hop. Okay. But the quality of it, the distinguishing characters of it, are going to be what the fractions are.
2: I see. Absolutely. So, I mean, the aroma and the hoppy character in the beer that we all love to drink comes from the oil. So that's what we all want to try to get in our beer, and this is what makes the craft market wonderful, right? Sure. It's the beautiful hoppy character we get in our beer now.
0: So of those those total oils, though, we still have some major groups that we're looking for.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, we can group them. They, I mean, the essential oils that we kind of perceive comes from the lupulin gland just like the alpha and beta acids, but that's not the only place they are actually in the hop. They're okay. actually also in the bract, where you can get some other oils, too, that contribute to our hoppy character in the beer. But our major fractions come out of, the, out of what we call the terpenes, and the terpenes are isoprene units, where like are five carbon units, and they break down into two different types monoterpenes and sesquiterpenes, which are like two isoprene units is a monoterpene or a C10, which means 10 carbons. Okay. Or you can have sesquiterpenes, which means like C15 or three isoprene I- units. And those are the major fractions in almost all hop oil. That'll make up pretty much 80% of your hop oil. Okay. And then we have some oxygenated derivatives that are very important. Like I said, some are in the BRAC. Those are the esters. And esters, we usually just get, when we say ester, I always think of fruity compounds. Sure. Everything that tastes fruity comes from an ester just about, or all the essence of esters are just fruity. But you can also get some, and those are about 15% of the total hop oil is about an ester. So there is some fruitness to hops just from that. Okay, And then you have some carboxylic acids.
0: Wait, can we hang on one sec? Uh, oxygenated versus oxidized. Are, are we talking about the same thing here?
2: No, oxygenated means the oxygen is present in the compound. Okay. So we're ox- basically talking, well, esters have, well, I, as a chemist, I'd call it a carbonyl unit. Okay. Which basically has a carbon double bond with a single oxygen. It makes it kind of polar, so it makes it kind of water-soluble and beer-soluble. So there's a potential there to get in a beer. Okay. And so
1: those, again, are the water-soluble... Um, flavor, aromatic and fruity and sometimes grassy compounds that are just going to jump in there.
0: Got it.
2: And then you actually have terpene alcohols. So even with those monoterpenes and terpenes that I mentioned they actually can have an alcohol group again that's an OH or just like you guys are familiar with as an all beer because that's half the reason why we drink it.
1: <laughs> At least. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, only so. about 6.7% of the reason why we drink this, as
2: far <laughs> yeah. as I can tell. <laughs> there you go. That's oh, true. Yeah. You that one. <laughs> Maybe on that one.
1: Yeah.
2: Anyway, those ones are even have a, a pretty good chance to get into your beer quality and actually do follow through the beer process pretty well. Okay. And some of your lesser known ones are your terpene oxides. Sometimes they they are there cuz of oxidation reasons, unfortunately. Those ones are not oxygenated. Those are actually oxidized generally.
0: And, and that that could be present even in the freshest hop that, that Yakima Chief has has, has stored uh, for me and gave to me? Generally, they, yeah, they do form over time. Okay. But if it's really fresh, they're not
2: distinguishable by, my, by a machine. Got it. You might be able to smell it, but you can't see it
1: on an instrument. Okay. This goes back to the best GCMS is the one you have on your face.
0: All right. And is that one of those, those oxidized compounds, uh, are those some of, the, some of the ones that degrade the fastest if we don't store them properly? They're not super
2: fast at oxidation, but
0: they do. It's they do.
2: Alpha is generally the big key in a at one. all times. Okay. So.
1: Yeah. Um, hey, Pat, are those, the, uh, those uh, terpene oxides, are those the ones that are responsible for, for a lot of the noble character, or is that the oxygenated species?
2: Uh, generally, yeah, the sesquit oxides are for the noble character, not the oxygenated species. Uh, okay. I mean, noble character is generally, when you think noble varieties, you generally think aged varieties.
1: Mm-hmm. So like woody,
0: spicy, yeah. herbal, Spicy grassy, and herbal. So. Okay.
2: Definitely.
0: Okay. Got it. All right.
2: And now they're into new compounds that everybody loves to hear about are the new thiols or sulfur-containing. Those those are still kind of oxygenated species, but they're sulfur-containing. And if you look on a periodic table, like... I do all the time. Of I'm course. sure everybody
0: does. Yeah, it in my back pocket.
2: Sulfur and oxygen are one group down from one another and they have the same electron character essentially for
0: a chemist anyway. I'm sure everybody else got that. <laughs> and did you say these are newer to us in our understanding or
2: They're newer to our understanding cuz people are starting to study and we've seen that in terms they, of hops. Yeah. yeah in okay. terms of hops and in the beer.
0: Yeah. So got it.
2: They're actually in very minute amounts, but they provide quite a bit of they have a low threshold to smell and flavor. So Okay. We sense them right away.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Um so interesting there's a there's actually a fantastic book on the history of the periodic table in case anyone is interested it actually is really fun it's by brian green uh, and it's called the periodic table uh, it's a very complex title um, but he really kind of goes through why all these compounds were or why the periodic tables were built the way they are okay. and, and how that all works so if you're if you're confused about any of this i highly recommend reading it it's very accessible goofy fun and he uses or sorry it's called the disappearing spoon ha ah, there we go ah, it's not the periodic table did have it's, a good name it did have a good name it's a disappearing spoon which is gallium um, but it's really really fun and and it really helps people, like, you know, I'm, I think a chemistry noob would be uh, unfair to most noobs, uh, most first year students, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's good stuff.
0: Okay. All right. More background for us in the, you know, as we get through hop chemistry.
2: Yeah. Took it on a wild tangent there.
1: <laughs> oh, come on. I figured, I figured, I figured, I figured it so people could understand it.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I like it. I like it too. So All right. After terpene oxides.
2: Well, yeah. After peroxides i mean those are where the aged and then you have your thiols mainly, mainly your major classes of compounds okay now in a beer do you actually see most of these? Well, if you're kettle hopping still because you want the bitterness, you're not getting any oils in your final product. Save a couple, and we can talk about those in more detail. We can talk about them now.
0: They just disappear in the boil? Yeah, most they're...
2: most of the hop oils are hydrocarbon. All those terpenes I was talking about, yeah. those are hydrocarbon. So they're, but they don't want to be in water to begin with. So when you stick them in the kettle boil, they're just going to evaporate off. And basically, we use the kettle boil to do one thing and isomerize them the L-flash.
1: And evaporate stuff to drive off aromatics, volatile aromatics, which these are. So (laughs) volatile aromatics don't persist in high-temperature evaporative environments. Okay.
3: Yeah, so that's not to say it's a waste to use aromatic hops in the boil, but you're definitely not going to carry over any of those aromatics into your final beer if you're using a 60-minute edition.
0: So these do matter in our later editions, of course.
2: Yeah, if you're going to do your late whirlpool or your kettle edition, that's where you'll get a you'll maintain some of those aromatic compounds.
0: And so we discussed this a little bit, uh, actually, on one of my other shows and, and on this podcast a couple episodes ago, but terpenes are found in, in almost everything that we know and oh, taste yeah. and smell, right? Oh, yeah. They're, they're really kind of this driving component of the things that we recognize. Is that the that really like? yum-yum factor. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so, and we, I think we were even referencing, like, cannabis uh, was something. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, You know, I did an article on cannabis beers in in Colorado and and mo- they were focusing more on on terpenes than they even were the cannabis itself partly because it's illegal on a federal level yeah but <laughs> but they were able to kind of narrow down well what are these what are the compounds we're getting from the terpenes that we really like about the smell and the flavor and the aroma mm-hmm. of, of cannabis and then trying to trying to du- duplicate that in beer without actually using cannabis
1: well what's interesting is that you can actually use there's no reason to use the terpene not to use the terpenes from from hops to do the same thing okay um and it's it's again it's you're looking at things some of the compounds i'm just going to rattle them off but uh, you get like linalool geraniol, alpha pinene beta pinene um and those are are four that are really really strongly present in both cousins um and they all contribute a a pretty strong character Mm um but again they're volatile and, and 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 light and they need more like if you, even if you just made a mix that was exactly the same portion of those four compounds to a strain of hops or the cousin um it's not going to smell like the total the total experience okay and and not even like total experience minus bad stuff like there's a lot of subtleties going on so that's why we're kind of talking about the major ones right now i see um but there's a lot more going on i mean it, as i said it would take us days to go through all of the compounds that were that that, that are identified and important okay in, in, in the plants so got yeah, it I mean,
3: there's what like 1700 flavor yeah. active compounds in hops that we've that discovered are, so far. Yeah. yeah Make somewhat know. of a difference.
1: That you know about. Yeah, yeah. and then that's the thing, is that so so two years ago it was fourteen hundred. Got Next it. year, it's probably going to be, I mean, well, hopefully what Pat does, it might be 2,100.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, Pat's got a lot of work to do. No pressure. Hey,
1: Pat, can I
0: put that as your KPI? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: I thought it already was. <laughs> uh, maybe.
0: Yeah, Pat, is this really what you spend your your time doing, is breaking down the different components of hops so we can learn more about that them? That
2: is essentially what I've been doing for the past two months now. <laughs> okay. It's breaking down all the hop compounds. I see. All, all, hop oil compounds. Yeah, I've, I've known enough about the alpha acids, now they've moved me on to aromatics, I guess. Okay. And, I graduated.
0: And as a as a chemist, have you always been a hop chemist, or did you come from another field recently? How long have you been working on hops?
2: <laughs> you got to <laughs> hear the story, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, I started in 2004 in hops, that actually after I graduated from school. Okay. Essentially, with my chem degree. But they found me... Cooking Thai food, because you could tell by my Asian descent that (laughs)
1: obviously I cook Thai food. Ah, yes, the Patrick Jensen uh, Mathaporn. Obviously.
2: So essentially they found out I had new chemistry, so they brought me down. And I've been in hop chemistry ever since 2004. Now, now, Pat,
1: that's that's a little circumspect, because you did tell me that you were... Cooking in a Thai kitchen in your own restaurant, which is awesome because apparently he can cook some badass Thai Sounds food. Sounds like am Going to have to leverage at the next at the next department picnic, um, but uh, didn't you tell me that? You figured, there's got to be an easier way to make a living. I know. I'll become an org- organic chemist.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
2: Like, what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, well, because I just got tired of running my own restaurant. So. Uh,
0: there you go. <laughs> so, as happens, I'll be <laughs> an organic <laughs> yeah. chemist. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Interesting. Just, it's a logical step. So, anyway, go on. Okay. Yeah. Huh. All right. Anything else to, to cover the major groups before we take a break and then really pick them apart a little bit?
2: Uh, I think we covered them. Uh, well, I mean, if you really want to get the most out of your hop oil components and the most out of the aromatics, that's where the dry hopping comes in, and that's why people do dry hop is to get the most hop character they possibly can.
0: So. And, and, again, that's because they're so volatile. When, yeah. when we're dry hopping, we're not giving them uh, all of that opportunity to jump out a solution.
2: Yeah, because you're going to do it cool, essentially, and you're not boiling, and you're pretty much keeping them contained, not exposing them to the air. And
1: Back to what I said uh, last episode, or episode before last, with Nate, um, talking about how um, headspace is actually a a non-trivial concern um, in dry hopping. So, um, you're always going to get an equilibrium between volatiles going into the headspace and volatiles going into the beer. Mm -hmm. And you want to keep them going into the beer, so you want to do that under pressure, and you want to do that as cold as possible so they don't have the activation engine or, the, or the, I guess the Brownian motion to leave and diffuse easily across that surface area. Okay. Again, the longer time you leave the hops in suspension, the more time they have to diffuse into the headspace. Got it. That's why as if you, even if you keg hopped, um, as you drink your kegs down or as you drain your serving tank, the hoppy flavor gets less. It's not because it's it's oxidizing or changing or, or ruining or anything, but it's diffusing it into the headspace. So you want to make sure that you've got enough pressure on that to push it out. That's why the bag and box method is, or bag and bag and ball or ski keg method, or the bag and tank method. You know, depending on those serving tanks, um, is actually pretty effective at that. Okay, it, it does retain it. Uh, they're a bitch to purge, but you know, hey. But again, it's the you know keep your hoppy character in your beer by dry hopping, then cooling it under pressure to force stuff to stay in solution
0: well and and while we're on that topic you, i think you know we talk a lot about late hopping and and let's just let's go straight to whirlpool hopping mm-hmm. right well m- my wort is still almost boiling mm-hmm. and i'm throwing in all of these hops clearly they're still in a a solution that that, that is volatile I'm, I'm actually still boiling them off right so uh I guess I'm a little bit curious how I'm able to keep so much of that stuff even at the end there while I'm throwing them in the whirlpool instead of just doing it all on the cold side.
3: Um, Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely correct. You are above the volatilization temperature. Um, So you are going to start losing a lot of that um, aroma. But the big benefit of whirlpool hopping is that you can add a lot more. So once you get under approximately 180 degrees Fahrenheit, um, you're going to stop isomerization. And even above that, it's a logarithmic decrease. Okay. Um, so even at like 190 to 195, uh, you have significantly less isomerization. So you can add, for lack of a better term, a shit ton of hops. Like it, yeah. And um, Metric, please. Metric, metric ton, shit, ton. shit Excuse ton. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong units. Um, so, so we are losing you some. You are still losing it, but you can add more and kind of make up for that. Okay. okay. And then if you knock out quickly you can hopefully recover most of those
1: so on a homebrew scale for example um massive late hopping in the whirlpool is 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 uh totally effective Mm -hmm. because your knockout is like you know five minutes yeah um on a professional brewing schedule uh or scale sorry um, you typically see knockouts of 45 minutes to an hour and a half um, and that's even including the Whirlpool rest stand, and you typically put them in before the Whirlpool, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. there's, there's a lot more potential isomerization that's going on. People have put wort coolers in in between their boil kettles and their, uh, and their Whirlpools, or you can do the uh, Jamil infusion overflow recirculating chiller.
0: Yeah, method. that was a whole thing, yeah.
1: It's very effective. Okay. Uh, it cools it down right quick. Um, but then you're also, you know, like, you you want to add them hot and then cool them down real quick. Okay. And so it's a little bit difficult to do on a commercial scale. but it So can, they
0: lose some efficiency on that scale.
1: You lose some efficiency on that scale, but also, um, it you just, you just really don't want to infect um, or, or pose, pose the problem of infection for, you know, 10,000 liters. Okay. Um, you know, at homebrew scale, it sucks, but it's not like...
0: Yeah, you're out 50 bucks.
1: Yeah, you're at 50 bucks. You're not out, you know, 50 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. And uh, the, uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of trying to trying to split that difference between the, the danger period for bacterial infection and the, you know, the level of, of, of volatilization that you can get off of your, off of your whirlpool addition. Okay. Um, so you can put it under pressure. You can do it. You can cool it. You can super cool it. But, again, super cooling it again is, is you know, you cool it down to below 130F or what is that? Probably like 50-something C. Something like that. Um, it's that's the danger zone for infection, okay? Because there's no nothing in there other than the IBUs to protect the wart from colonization by bacteria. The yeast is coming in later, right? And in all fairness, the yeast is probably going to outcompete it like that. But then you have an, you have the potential for having an infected yeast crop that you can then propagate.
0: And so, why risk it? Okay. And why risk it? And, and also,
1: most of these things dissolve into 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 liquid at you know in the in the 20 c range in the uh in the 60 to 70 fahrenheit range so you don't need to cool it down that much okay cool it down to where things are going to die but uh, but less than that don't worry about it
0: got it all right why don't we take a quick break and when we come back we can dive into each of these uh, major groups of hop oils and figure out how best to utilize them hang in there you're listening to the hop and brew school podcast we'll be right back Welcome back to the Hop and Brew School Podcast. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Today, as you know, we are talking about hop oils. and We just covered what the major groups are before the break there. And, and now we're going to dive in so that uh, Pat, Nick, and Tommy here can teach us uh, more of the intricacies of these things and uh, how, how we can use them to our advantage, I assume. So where do you want to start, Pat?
2: Well, I guess the first thing to talk about hop oils is you can use hop oils as a quality indicator of your hops. And essentially that, that on almost any C of A that you receive from a supplier, you should be able to see the percent of some of these compounds I'm about to talk about.
0: What is a C of A?
2: See a certificate of analysis. I'm sorry. Got it. Uh, that's okay. It's, it's that lingo I'm used to. So it's right. my
0: job to get it out of you. No right. problem.
2: So anyway, I mean, most of these analysis or most of these compounds, the reason why we know about them because they're analyzed by GC or GCMS for their composition, and that's how we've came to know about these compounds so far.
1: And that would be gas chromatography with um, mass spectrometry.
2: Again, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) It's all right. (laughs) It's all right.
1: The other people's hops, it's okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we can start with the most abundant. So the monoterpenes, the most abundant compound you're going to find in the aromatic compound is myrosine, which is a monoterpene. And he's somewhere between of the hop oil content just to give you an idea, it can range from somewhere around zero point two percent in a hop to three percent. I mean generally you'd want it one and above.
1: And so now that that's that's out of total weight. So the oil fraction, so in the oil fraction it would be twenty to seventy percent?
2: Oh well yeah. oh, I, I, I didn't I didn't give it to you yet, but yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The myrcene itself is about twenty to seventy percent of that one to three percent of the total weight of the hop. Okay. So Sometimes people don't understand that either because they'll get a C of eight. that says 50% myrcene, but that's not the total weight of the oil.
0: I see. The it's total of weight the of the
2: hop is of the 1% of total oil that you got in the hop.
0: And and what is what is myrcene? I seem to remember that it isn't one of the most desirable compounds.
2: Uh, it's a I'm monoterpene. It. I mean, it does have a, uh, an aromatic of like y herb, herbal, I see. generally. Okay. I mean, like I said before, in the kettle, you generally, when you add it to the kettle, it's basically going to volatilize off. Got it. It's not the most soluble compound in water matrix. So beer, it's not super soluble, but it does persist. If you are dry hopping, you can... Extract myrcene at that point,
0: okay, so it so the amount of it in a hop in your in your C of a that you send me might not matter if it's a a kettle hop, if it's a boil hop uh, to me, but it might matter if I'm dry hopping with that. I would want to know how high the myrcene content yeah, is. yeah,
1: it could play a role in your okay. final flavor.
2: okay.
0: <laughs>
1: And even even in the final flavor, the mercy will will blow off and degrade quite readily because it's quite volatile.
2: Yeah, some lesser monoterpenes, but actually are in the hops, are like beta-pinene, which is generally like about 1% in most hops. And it's kind of, well, like its name, it's pine. So, Got it. Yeah, so that one's an easy one to know what it smells like. Yeah,
0: that, this is why I was a C student, because if <laughs> half of the names were like that, I, I could get them right. Yeah. <laughs> Another one
2: probably kind of will speak out to you is limonene.
0: Okay. So it's citrus orange.
2: Yeah. Just kidding.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, lemon. Uh, but yeah. All right. But some people
2: do get orange from it. Okay. So it just depends on the person. So <laughs> this it. goes yeah. back to that so, personal experience are, of ours. Yeah. yeah. And that one again is about a one percent. It's not a whole lot in the actual amount of the total hop oil, but maraschino is still that dominating hop oil. Okay. So. And then for the monoterpenes, you can go to the sesquiterpenes. And the sesquiterpenes are like three isoprene units. So instead of that C10 for all those chemists out there, in the monoterpene, the sesquiterpene will have a C15. So a little higher boiling point at this point. And so some less that, volatile? Yes, they can be less volatile, but they seem to be more prone to oxidation. These are the ones that oxidize generally. I see. Know, so. Okay.
0: so
1: they'll persist, but they might change.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: And one of the major ones is beta-caryophylline, which is cedar spicy floral. A lot of people smell it differently depending on the threshold that hits you. And anyway, beta-caryophylline on a slide tangent, it's actually a good carrier for CBDs if you're into that market. Got it. So just so you know. <laughs> good
0: to know. Good segue. <laughs> <Yeah>. Good
1: sesquic segue. <laughs> yeah.
2: And that one's usually, it can range from about five. To 20% in any normal hop of that total hop oil component. And then you have alpha-humulene, which is actually just a isomer of caryophyllene in the end. And it's kind of grassy, herbal, spicy, woody as well. So most of your terpenes are going to give you a lot of herbal, spicy notes, grassy notes. So okay, anyway, And this one, again, it also forms a, a lot of different uh, terpene oxides so this is another one that's prone to oxidation and then one of our final sesquiterpenes is farnesine which for north american hops is not very prevalent it's usually less than one percent most except for a couple like cascade and amarillo those two both carry farnesine because generally farnesine comes from hops that have a saws hereditary background. So. okay so you don't see it too much in North American hops, but a lot of the UK hops and mm-hmm. European hops
0: you see. So, a bit. so what is the characteristic of that? It's more earthy, spicy?
1: Well, it's, again, woody
0: citrus. Okay. Like woody citrus.
1: Others. I would describe it as sort of like a dusty wood, so it's a little earthy to me as well. But that's, again, my personal experience.
2: And, again, if you're isomer guy, beta-cardiophiline, humulene, firencine, they're all isomers in one another. So they're essentially... well are c15 still and they're hydrocarbons unsaturated hydrocarbons for the people who know the difference i'm I can't help it. Sorry.
1: You're right. What is the difference? What is the difference since you've you've just uh, thrown that gauntlet down? Okay.
2: Well, saturated means you have no double-bonded carbon atoms. Uh, Unsaturated means you have double-bonded carbon atoms. Okay. Why is that uh, important? Double-bonded carbon atoms generally are more reactive. So they can change. Generally have more
1: solubility. And And that's why these guys are oxidizable and of flavor importance in beer. Could could be, yeah.
0: So everything you just mentioned would be on, on a certificate of analysis. From Yakima Chief hops, for example. Yeah, if you looked uh, up your and, lot, okay. And this is how some of our our more knowledgeable brewers are, are maybe even picking the, the the hop varieties that they want is based on these oils.
2: Yeah, generally people at Selection will.
1: Yeah, and that's a, so. So they're they're very so um, at Selection we we like to. to to actually do it blind as much as possible because it gives everybody good data. Okay. um, Because they're not going to see where it was grown they're not going to see the oil profile because they might overweight something. Because again, pungency is one thing. Total oil is one thing. But um, the quality of the oil the characteristics of the oil the breakdown of the oil is is frequently much more important okay and so you might actually have a relatively low oil hop but the the, but the the fraction is such that it's actually going to contribute the character that you want does that make sense yeah
0: yeah
3: and i think that's something else to mention too i don't know if pat mentioned this before but even though some of these um terpenes are one or two percent of the total oil um they can still play a huge role mercine's obviously usually the biggest um fraction but even something at 2 to 5% could make a noticeable difference in different varieties. Okay. Yeah, well, so, I
1: mean, even so if at 0.1% it yeah. can make a difference. So.
0: And again, that difference is typically noticed in late hopping as yeah. opposed to boil. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Okay. Yeah, late hopping and, and dry hopping.
2: Yeah.
0: And dry hopping. Okay.
2: All right. So, from the sesquiterpenes, I mean, a better known group to the brewing world is actually the monoterpene oxides. And these ones are the alcohol monoterpenes, essentially. And one of the most. Known as linalool, and the reason why it's probably the most known is the it was the first hop oil discovered in beer. So it actually survives the brewing process. So when I said most volatiles leave in the kettle, mm-hmm. this one actually will survive your first addition. Okay, it can actually make it into your final beer. And it's a very floral and fruity compound. Some people actually smell think it smells like Fruit Loops. To some people,
0: oh yeah, so. interesting. I've definitely smelled uh, beers that I would have described as Fruit Loops. So
1: I describe it as a. Indian coriander. is sort of like a tang plus a little bit of spice. So Okay. But again, yeah.
0: different continents. But a very desirable one. Yeah. Bad. Well, yes. it's a
2: monoterpene that's an alcohol version, so this gives it that solubility in water mm-hmm. and essentially like in ethanol. So when you're making your final beer and you're dry hopping, yes, you're going to extract some of this compound. Okay. So it's going to be a good one. And again, like what's
0: during... A, what, sorry, what's an example of a, of a hop that might be high in this compound that people oh, love to use um, for dry hopping?
1: Oral. Laurel, citra, okay. uh, crystal, actually. The, yeah. the linel to other compound ratio in crystal is very, very high. And this is a perfect segue. Thank you, sir. Sure. Um, is <laughs> that the thought is that, you know, you can just do these single hop beers. Oh, I want a, I want a citry, citrusy beer. I'm going to just use citra. It's like, well, yeah, go ahead and use a citra. But, you know, sure, 10 or 20% of crystal in there. The citra is going to dominate it flavor-wise. But the amount of extra linal you're adding via the crystal relative ah. to the weight of the hops is going to be a big bump. Okay. Um, and so, some some Japanese scientists, I believe it's Sapporo, did this a number of years ago, where they actually started supplementing um, uh, wort with um, Indian coriander as a source of, of geranial and linalool because it, it was very very high content. Got it. And uh, they said that people rated it very citrusy, but also spicy and some other flavors. Um, I know that at great leap forward or great leap brewing in China, Carl Setzer is adding. Uh, Szechuan pepper because he loves Szechuan pepper um, because it has such a vastly high linoleum content, and so he's he's supplementing his hopping regimes with these other compounds. Interesting, and it's it's really really interesting. Now, um, I would claim to be a purist, but I'm really not. But uh, the really fun thing is that if you're if you're if you're trying to do like hop blends and IPAs, adding different hops and looking at their oil balances to try to create the thing that you want is really where it's at it's really fun
0: okay and so in a previous episode laurel for example th- this is one of the reasons why it's a good lifting like, I th- yeah uh, you know, i can't Alex. do it uh. i guess why you said it's a good lifter hop because yeah. it will accentuate the qualities of something else like citra correct got it okay
1: on its own it's also excellent now so
0: okay all right so nice. linalool yeah and next
2: next is probably his brother or cousin, if you want to say, is geranial, which is another compound that's an oxygenated monoterpene. So it's another alcohol on a terpene. So it gives it a lot of ability to be soluble in water and solubility in your final beer. So again, if you're dry hopping, you're going to pull more geranial. Okay. It's another key compound that it seems to be prevalent in during hop selection that some brewers really want to know their geranial content in there. And the hops they're selecting. And may make that final decision. Do I take this lot or this lot? And they might make it on that geranial content.
0: Interesting. What are the what's the flavor compound I might recognize from that?
2: Uh, it's geranium. Just geranium. So floral. Yeah. It also could be also bring you some lime and lemon.
1: Okay. That's part of that complex I was talking about a couple of episodes ago about how little geraniol, citronella, and they're all together are all very citrusy, but they really pop when you start adding some of these other compounds.
0: Got it.
2: So since you brought up near-all, skip to near
1: I brought up citronella, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: we'll talk about him. But near-all can actually be found in hops, but at very low levels, generally not detectable. You will not see that on a CFA generally because it's not generally able to see on an instrument. Ah. So. But again, it's almost the same as geraniol. And in your final beer, it's additive effects from near and citronella and geraniol that kind of bring that all flavor together because okay. they're all basically isomers of one another. So if we want to bring up citronellol, citronellol is generally not considered to be in hops. It's actually in your final beer, even though it's closely related. It's just an isomer geraniol, and it has, some people say it's biosynthesized, or goes
1: through a... Conformational change.
2: Yeah, conformational change during fermentation, hmm. either brought on by the actual yeast... I may tend to believe it just isomerizes on its own based on just being an aqueous solution. And
0: but it's not changes. in the hops, and it won't show up on the analysis. It
2: won't show up on the analysis, and it's not in hops.
0: But it clearly ends up in the finished product because yeah, we taste with it. With
2: some yeast varieties, and I don't know if
0: okay. somebody
2: knows exactly which ones
1: it's a. It's pretty Check common across to the brewers. <laughs> it's pretty common across most of the uh, ale strains that we would be using. Okay. Um, and I haven't done extensive inter- or research into loggers, but I suspect that it's the same. And so I, that's why I think it's mostly just a isomerization throughout the fermentation process, the change in pH, the uh, uh, the presence of alcohol, the presence of water, um, and other compounds to just interact with.
2: Yeah, and all these monoterpene oxides. I mean. Generally, are like at the beginning with the oil, You can start in your kettle, and these ones will carry through with the citronellol coming from an isomeric conformational change. But the geraniol, will start in the kettle, and they can actually make it through. But okay. actually, you're gonna get more when you dry up or
1: late whirlpool, late whirlpool.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is why they're so important to brewers then, and that and the, why they're looking at that analysis. Yeah, correct. Okay, because they these are major. Um, flavor drivers, so uh, so are hops that have uh, these major flavor drivers in 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 quantities that are desirable and that will transfer to our beer more. Are they also generally lower in alpha acid?
2: No, no, that, that's still a different. just just relative. Yeah, just relative. okay.
0: But just thinking about the fact that yeah. we're probably using lower alpha I mean, acid hops up, late in the boil, yeah, but crystal,
2: which he brought up, was about six percent. Laurel's about a twelve, so that's like. Got Twice it. as much, but they both relatively have high linoleol content, so it can go either way.
0: All right. So now we need some. Are there more compounds?
2: Oh, there's there's m- a- there's 1, thousand seventeen hundred that right, we, we just t- stated. Yeah, it's yeah. over a thousand that they're pretty relevant. We've kind of had hits and misses on some. It's kind of fun being a chemist and trying to discover all these new compounds. Yeah, and analyze. So I mean, for me, it's like an endless supply of.
0: Work, yeah, essentially. that's right.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know
0: what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. <laughs> Job security, Pat. Job security. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Well, and so those are the major ones that that brewers are looking for, and that you're giving us an analysis of. But it's it, it, very possibly in, in a few years from now, you could be adding to the major compounds list that brewers will be talking about. Yeah, as yeah. you discover,
2: they're already talking about some because we know they're there. Okay, and we've discovered, and some people have had work analyzing. It's just. Problem with the analysis, the instrumentation is a little more expensive all the time. (laughs) I understand.
0: Okay. Despite
1: the fact that the price is actually coming down, it's just that the level of complexity and resolution of this instrumentation is much higher.
0: Yeah. So how about some practical application of these things if we're a brewer?
1: Right. Well, mercine is going to change or dissipate um in the hot side or early in fermentation. Some will persist. After dry hopping, but not a lot, and it's not terribly stable.
0: So it's one. I'm of all the things I have to worry about, it doesn't sound like one I have to worry too much about.
1: I wouldn't worry about mercine. So like when you get fresh crazy IPA out of the tank, and you're like, whoa, that's so happy! And two days later, you're like, oh, it's drinkable now. Got it. It's that's mercine going away. Okay. As well as some other stuff, but um, the so geraniol um, and 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 its conformational changes into. Linalool and citronellol is really really important because that's a a it's geranium is typically counted as floral, so it could be as in low levels it's roses and higher levels it's geraniums and really high levels it's just weird. Um, But the level of geranium is going to provide you a huge amount of orange and well citrus character, Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's generic citrus character and orange specifically, um, which is really huge if you want to do that. So you're going to want to be picking high geranium hops for a uh, late kettle whirlpool edition as well as a dry hopping edition and see what happens to that
0: geraniol. got it um which is why you said pat that that sometimes will be the component the compound that uh, makes the decision for a brewer if they're choosing between two hops that they that they like yeah uh, they,
2: yeah sometimes they use it as a final indicator yeah so like that one's got a little more journey.
0: so we'll, i'll take it yeah all right
1: and that's i mean that's kind of the uh, the, the approach is again Start to learn what these oils do and what you want to get out of them. So it's, um, as we said before, and we, we will continuously say again, it's learn your ingredients and learn your process. Right. Um, and so, you know, if you're adding a bunch of stuff uh, on the hot side that you're trying to get flavor from, you might want to evaluate where you're putting it and what temperature you're putting it in at. Mm-hmm. I don't actually, I haven't seen a great deal of benefit from, from cooling whirlpools other than reducing your bitterness, but you can do that in your boil. You can account for the last addition first. Okay. So it's not a big, it's it's not really a big challenge, not really a big issue. Um, but, you know, if you want to do that, you can. Got it. Um, and then uh, dry hopping, again, like all these compounds are going to dissolve around 20C. Okay. And they're going to get into the beer around 20C. But your goal is to try to keep them in the beer and without reacting with the yeast. So you don't get these uh, excessive mercaptan formations and this old yeast kind of, crapping all these compounds and then it's just to make sure that you keep it cool and then get it off of the leaf matter as, as soon as possible. And these are the compounds that are going to be really, really what you're after.
0: Okay. So let's talk a little bit about format and these compounds mm-hmm. because I'm reminded of, uh, uh cryo hops, mm-hmm. uh, which are supposed to be this con as my understanding now is, uh, this concentration of, of the good stuff, the mm-hmm. stuff that we want. So in my uh, analysis of, uh, a cryo hops product am i going to find these oils in in higher concentration as well
2: you'll find the total oil will be higher compared to the hop varietal, somewhere between 1.6 and 1.8 times more oh okay so the total oil will be that much and of those things they'll be about this equal in the amount that i said before like, that
0: makes sense so those will rise with the amount of yeah. total oil uh, yeah okay
1: was it hang on was was it the alpha that goes 2.2 or is the oil that goes 2.2
2: uh, they're both both basically 1.6 to 1.8. Yes, yeah, so I wouldn't think the 2.2. 2, that's generally because of just a difference in methodology.
0: Okay. So, again, all that really does for me, again, with, with crow hops, is I could use less of them to get uh, the, the same, same amount, amount of, yeah. of any of these compounds that I was looking for.
1: And, and you won't derive a lot of the yeah. um, vegetable matter-derived flavors.
0: Okay. With From the, the yeah. bract. Right.
3: Yeah. 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 So, so you can either use less and get the same oil content or use more for the same amount of vegetable material and get more oil and more hop aroma from that.
0: Okay. And I have to assume that, that uh, T90 pellets uh, have also a higher amount of these oils than whole hops. Is that right? Or, do they, or are those about, about the same? are about one to one. Those are about the there same? There
2: is a little concentration gain you get because during the process, you do remove some of the picking issues that some people have excess branches essentially <laughs> 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 you still those gets removed so you yeah. do get a gain a little bit but not not enough for you to
0: okay. really see a difference now what about in I don't know all about the advanced uh, hop oil products that you have but I'm curious are, are any one of these compounds available on their own for me to add to a beer
2: not separately. Nobody's separating at that point. Okay. Yeah.
0: And, of course, you mentioned that they really work together to, to yeah. provide these flavors yeah. anyway. So I, not that I know it, anyone would want to do it, but I certainly would be curious. I mean, I certainly know what citronella uh, smells like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, which would be kind of foul on its own in a beer, I, I would think. Well,
1: also, it shouldn't normally smell like a backyard candle or mosquito coil in, like, right. in, 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 like Guam, um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's that's Those are a bit harsher. Those are very very high concentrations of <laughs> ethanol. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's that's about right. Okay. So you know what's going to taste like. You're just going to add it where you want it. Um, but the again, on its own, it's kind of mentally mosquito repellent tea. Okay. But in, comb- in combination with other things, it's really quite nice. It's a rounded citrus character.
0: So there's no real drive to break apart these components right now because they play off each other.
1: There are reasons to do it. Okay. But mostly so you can recombine them into different and new interesting things in different ways. Okay. So you can engineer... <laughs> yeah, um, so that you can artistically, <laughs> artisanally craft.
2: Okay, <laughs> there <right. you're>
0: <laughs> Do hop oils, uh, or any one of these compounds, have, have other uses uh, besides in beer that are beneficial?
2: Oh, You see some of these compounds in other areas. I okay. mean, linalool is used in a lot of things to make it smell good, taste cool. If you I mean, if you... Like we can bring up, it's been shown to be in pesticide, so people freak out because it's an ingredient in pesticide. Right. Not that that's the pesticide. That's the ingredient to make the pesticide smell nice. Nice.
0: I see. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's I also see. the same ingredient in your shampoo, lady who yeah. posted that Facebook image thingy. That's right. Um, So I've
2: actually been telling everybody, yes, it is a pesticide. I use lotion on my hands all the time that has linalool, and it's great for killing bugs, my hands now, because it's a pesticide. So I think
0: you guys are referring to, yeah, there was a recent article where some uh, popular uh, soft drink was accused of having pesticides in it. It turns out to be linalool. This is interesting just to talk about on its own, though, because there are all kinds of chemical compounds that used one way um, uh, don't mean uh, much harm to the human body and used another way could. Or used another way, simply, are to mask other uh, harmful mm-hmm. qualities like the foul smell of pesticides. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's very easy, I guess, for us who are, aren't scientists, people like me, to go, "Hey, yeah, I don't want that linalool in my soft drink." So uh, linalool and uh, geranial in particular, are often used to
1: to to, to combat the foul smell of uh, of young larval humans in, as they hit puberty. Um, gotcha. Uh, axe body sprays and deodorants, and uh, I see. Uh, perfumes and shampoos all use a lot of limonene. Okay,
0: all right. Uh, same reasons we like them in our beer. Then they're pleasant. Exactly. Okay. Um, as opposed to, I, again, tell me why the mono. Uh, what's the one that's not mono mono terpenes? No, anything? the comp. Thank you, mercenes. <laughs> why uh, the, 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 there are parts of them that aren't as? I guess you said kind of carroty or something that aren't as pleasant to us. Uh, this the, the kind of carroty, veggy, vegetal flavor that might come out of those, right? It's
2: just how our receptors pick it up. So, I see. I mean, each person can be a little different. That's why you usually when you look up a oil of any type, you'll get like four or five different names for what it smells like. So, okay. okay. So that's why I give you like four. It's herbal. It's Woody, it's piney, but it's also caroty. Okay. Yeah, because each person at a different threshold gets a little something different.
0: I understand. Well,
1: if you ever grab a fresh carrot out of the earth and you break it open, it does smell kind of piney and earthy, and it's got a lot. It's got a lot. I think they all share the same sort of class of compounds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't mind mercine. I think it's nice. Okay. Uh, I've never had pure mercine in a beer before, but um, <laughs> right. as and you may get never lab. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, and then i I just I, I like to to go circle back to what you said, Nick before too is that when people are selecting these hops, even though um, these oils are available on a on a uh, an analysis sheet. You still start with just our human perception of the hops. You all get together. You rub them in mm-hmm. your hands. And and the rubbing part is actually to get the oils out, right? Yeah,
1: it's, it's to break apart the glands, heat them up, and get them volatilized. And so you rub, 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 rub then cup,
0: and then smell. Okay. And yeah. you guys would rather start there blind rather than looking at the data sheets and where what farm they grew on, what lot they were, uh, just by perception. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, that's, that's ultimately what we're judging beer on is how does it taste? Yeah. How does it smell? Okay. Um, and also, you're going to look... If you if if you look back at the historical selections done blind, you can see patterns develop. So, for, from our perspective, we're trying to help brewers get better hops, and so that's okay. why we do it that way. Um, unless we would like to do it that way, we don't force anybody to do it that way. Sure. Um, but then at the same time, you know, we're not—they're not biasing themselves against a lot that they might really love just mm. because they don't know the farm or they don't know the oil content.
0: Okay, got it. And so,
1: I've had a number of times with a lower oil content hop on the table was my top pick versus ones that were way they were also nice but way higher oil content
0: i see so okay all right does that get us through hop oils for today guys
1: i think that gets us through the uh, very first part of hop oils right just the the major the major groups and major characters okay um and uh we will go on from there
0: i like it uh this one i could understand and uh but also based on the foundation you gave me last time. So uh, I'm liking where this is going. I soon may be a hop chemist.
1: Oh, please. <laughs> what do you think? We've got many, many samples to smell come harvest. So Justin, <laughs> just come on up, uh, do some uh, do some media preparations, r- uh, and then uh, just st- sit in front of the olfactory reports for all day.
0: Yeah, I just want to hang out and smell hops after that.
1: that, yeah. that, that <laughs> hey, Pat's like, to, just,
0: yeah, do that. Stay out of my lab.
1: No, no. <laughs> hey, tell me, how did, how, did, how, did that,
0: how did that work out for you this year,
3: yeah, uh, year? The allergic reaction after a week was kind of annoying, but... What happened? Are you allergic to hops? Uh, yeah, I think I smelled something like 1,100 samples this harvest within okay. a month, so... Wow. I had to start wearing gloves. It was... Really? Pretty bad. Not but, as bad but, as one of our interns, but...
0: Wait, but that could that could happen to anybody. It doesn't really mean you're allergic to hops. It just means we bombarded you. Yeah, with, I mean okay.
3: the alpha acids are very. Well, they're called alpha common. acids. Yeah, exactly. So, so what
0: happened to you? What, uh, like, what was the effect?
3: Some rashes, I guess. I Itching see. And Itching and
0: rashes.
3: <laughs> it was annoying. Oh, oh,
1: boy. There's a nickname coming up from this one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Where's itchy, rashy
0: Tommy? You oh. I mean Sailor, sailor Boy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I never thought about that, actually. Yeah, if you're really out there doing it in quantity like that. Yeah. It, I mean, gets, it gets bad. Okay.
3: Especially working on the farm, there's a lot of... Um, Protection you need to wear just so you don't right. get affected by it too much because it's it's a rough compound.
0: Do, are there just um, you know like candy dishes full of antihistamines around Yakima Chief hops? All the allergy meds for you guys are just in, <laughs> in, good, in every room. So the, 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 the real
1: the <laughs> real bitch of it is though is that. Um, if you take antihistamines, it reduces your ability to smell. I see. So it's like, okay, well, I took antihistamines. Oh, you've recruited your sensory So has everyone else. Right. Oh, no, guys. Uh, um, it's mostly just gloves and a lot of uh, gojo and, uh, and okay. um, an awful lot of, of high-strength ethanol. For washing, for not washing, for
2: dissolve the oils, not for drinking. I understand. Uh, That's why the ever clears around. Huh? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, yeah,
0: yeah. To be fair, and only that, <laughs> only that, Pat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. I, I wonder if you have or have had anybody, you know, come to work up there for you guys that just has severe allergies anyway and does not last very long in the industry. Yeah, that's happened that, that a few times in my Is that time. right? Yeah. yeah. definitely happens. I wouldn't yeah. even have thought about it. You know, if I go there for some marketing position, this will be fine. But you're still around it constantly. Yeah. You know.
1: I mean, it's, it's you're only around it constantly for about seven weeks of the year. So if you're okay being just uh, miserable for and, and seven hating, weeks, hating life, yeah. for seven yeah. weeks. So I mean, it's like nobody, everybody else is summer, so it's fine. Sure, no,
0: that makes sense.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it can mm-hmm. get rough. So I bet. I know a couple of hop hop growers who have developed allergies to hops and can no longer be around. Uh, really, their own processing facilities. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's terrible.
1: I know it was great because they got to hand it off to their younger children and say, "Peace out," I'm retiring. I for see. medical <laughs> reasons. I see. That's
0: nice. Yeah, yeah that's it's how hilarious. I. I keep, <laughs> that's how I keep my drinking in check. Is that I would hate one day to not be able to drink beer. I, l- I love the flavor of beer so much. So I'm always like, yeah, just keep it solid, Crosley. <laughs> Don't go over. Copacetic Crosley. Yes. Yeah. Signing off. <laughs> All right. We're going to take, a, we're going to get ourselves out of here. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you've got show ideas or questions about this one, send them to hop and brew school at thebrewingnetwork.com. Go visit Yakima Chief Hops at yakimachief.com. They've got tools for you to uh, look up the, the lot that you've ordered or that you want to order, and uh, all kinds of things coming soon, too, including an online hop marketplace. So go put your email address in, and you'll be notified of updates on that. Uh, tell your friends to find this show on iTunes and the Google Play Store or on thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, what's our next episode? episode nick what do you think
1: uh, we can we've got a couple things going up there's a uh, brewing with hops and there's also digging some more into oils so okay. um, we're gonna have to you know sort of line these things up properly
0: maybe a combo of both it
1: could be actually that's probably the best idea
0: all right this has been the hop and brew school podcast thanks for listening we'll see you next time